Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Amen, amen, amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, if you would please, will be our opening text. And Wednesday night is faith night. We are teaching along the lines of faith. And tonight, as I said, Sunday night, we'll be teaching along the lines of confessions based on the blood. Confessions based on the blood. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 24, we'll begin reading there. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. No saint is exempt from Satan's attacks and no saint is, is exempt from life's storms. No matter who we are in this life, we will encounter attacks of the enemy and we will encounter life's storms. You know as well as I do that the enemy will come and he'll try to touch God's people, whether it be with sickness or disease or financial burdens or marital problems or even trying to attack our children's lives for what purpose? To break us down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That is what he is out there endeavoring to do. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much you've grown. He knows who you are. And he does not want you to grow and become a threat to his kingdom. And so he will do everything within his power to see to it that you don't rise up and use your rights and privileges in Christ to overcome him and destroy his kingdom as far as your life is concerned. Well, beloved, Jesus said a wise man knowing this, will dig deep into the Word and lay the foundation of his life upon solid ground or upon a rock. And what is that rock that he's talking about? Of course, we know that rock that followed the Israelites was Christ. But to be more specific about it, I believe with all of my heart, it's talking about the blood covenant. The blood covenant is our foundation for faith. God wanted His people to know that He would not lie, and that he could be trusted by them. So he swore by an oath. That is the solid ground upon which our faith rests. The fact that he swore by an oath, he sealed the covenant with the blood of his Son, declaring forever that he would not lie, we could trust him, he would forfeit his life before he would lie. So the blood covenant saints of God, is the foundation for our faith. And if we want to know our rights and privileges, and if we want to be established in sound faith, great faith, faith that moves mountains, we have got to have a clear-cut understanding and a working knowledge of the blood covenant that sealed our redemption. Every single one of us. It is the solid ground upon which we need to build our lives and upon which our faith needs to be founded. Just as Moses, how many of you remember way back in the book of Exodus when Moses was told to offer a sacrificial lamb and then take the blood of the lamb and use a hyssop branch and apply the blood to the doorposts and lintel of the house so that those who were inside the house would be protected by the blood. How many remember all that way back in the book of Exodus? Well, just as Moses was to apply the blood to every household so that every household would be protected from destruction, Likewise, we too must apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives so that we too can be protected in this life, whether it be from life storms or from satanic attack. We too must learn how to apply that blood. Well, we don't apply the blood the way they did with the hyssop branch. The way we apply the blood is different. But let's go on back just for a moment and take a look at the book of Exodus chapter 12. Let's make some statements here about the blood that are very important to our lives. Exodus chapter 12, 
and verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And the blood shall be unto you a token or a sign. The blood is a token or a sign of your protection or of your deliverance from the hand of the enemy or from destruction. This is what he told them. And the blood had to be seen, the blood had to be applied in order for it to be effective. Now, beloved, it was not just their interest in the blood that counted. It was not their belief in the power of the blood that counted. It was the application of the blood that mattered. You could say, yes, I believe in the blood of that sacrificial lamb. Oh, yes, I believe in the power of the blood of that sacrificial lamb. But if you did not take your hyssop branch, if you did not dip it inside that blood, and if you did not apply that blood to your household and then tell all your family, get inside the house, then you too would be in line for destruction. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, how were they protected? By applying the blood. You see, beloved, it's more than an appreciation for the worth of the blood. It is the actual application of the blood to their households that brought protection. Can you see that? Now, go to, with me, if you would, please, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 23. I know you're familiar with the text, but let's read it again. It's been a while. They applied the blood by taking that branch, dipping it in the blood, and then placing the blood on their doorposts all around their house, indicating that they believed in it and they trusted in it, and now it's applied to their households. Well, you and I don't do that. The application that we use is one of faith. And in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 23, Jesus gave to us an understanding of the law of faith and how it works. He said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now listen carefully. We can't just believe in the blood of Christ. We can't just appreciate the value or the worth of the blood of Christ. In order to be protected by the blood of Christ, we too have got to apply it to our lives. And how do we do that? We believe from our heart in the power of the blood and we apply it to our households, to our lives, with our mouths over the doorposts of our lives. We believe in our heart in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and we apply it with our mouths to the doorposts of our lives. See, it's more than just saying, oh yes, I believe in the power of the blood. It's more than just saying or singing a song about the blood. It is having a working knowledge of the power of that blood. It is then believing in the power of that blood and then actively with our mouths, by faith, applying it to our lives. I must believe in my heart that what God said about the blood of Jesus is true. And then with my mouth, I make a bold confession in faith. And my confession is based on the power of the blood. You know, when people first heard the faith message, I believe much of it was misunderstood and misrepresented. People would just go off saying all kinds of things and the sayings that they would speak out of their mouths would be based on something someone else said. They heard someone say something and so they're going to try saying it. Or because someone told them to say something. You shouldn't say that. You should say this. Don't say you're sick. Say you're not sick. Say you're well. Say you're healed. Say you're whole. What foundation do they have to say that? 
What is the foundation for their faith? What is it based on? Well, Brother Doodad told me to say it. And that's their foundation for faith. I want you to know something. Brother Doodad can't stand up to the devil for you. You see, but when a person understands that the confession of his faith is based on the power of the blood, and the person has a working knowledge of the blood of Christ that was shed for his or her redemption, and then says, based on the power of the blood, I make a confession of faith with my mouth, and I apply the blood of Christ to the doorpost of my lives, and Satan, you will not cross the threshold of the bloodline that I establish. It's not because Brother Doodad said to say it. It's because you did your homework. You did your research. You found out what the Word of God said and you applied it to your life like those Israelites did. That's what God wants us to understand, saints of God. Confession involves a whole lot more than just saying something or just repeating something. There is a foundation to it. And that's the rock that Jesus was talking about. You lay the foundation for your faith, for your life, upon solid ground. And there is nothing more solid than the blood covenant. There is nothing more solid than the blood covenant. And if you don't understand the teaching of the blood covenant, you can pick up some of the tapes that we have back there on the blood covenant, and it will absolutely revolutionize your life, and it will give you the means whereby you can obtain great faith in God. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Revelation. And I would like to share with you some confessions based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Confessions that we must build into our lives by faith. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 11. We're living at a time right now when the powers of darkness are unleashed in the earth. The darkness is getting darker and darker all the time. People are being attacked in every area of life. If you call yourself a Christian, I want you to know that you are an enemy as far as Satan is concerned. He doesn't like you, no way, no how. He has no regard for you. He has no respect for you. He's not a respecter of persons. And if you're out there naming the name of Christ, he has an arsenal of weapons ranged against you for the purpose of destroying your life, for the purpose of destroying your witness and wearing you down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Also financially, socially, in all areas of your life. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your mental health. He wants to destroy your physical health. He wants to ultimately destroy your spirituality and bring you down as low as he possibly can so that you become an ineffective witness for Christ. That is what he is out there trying to do. But I want you to know something. We've got power. Over all the power of the enemy. See, the church just has to rise up and learn about it and then learn to use it with wisdom. In the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and they overcame him. Here is God's overcoming program for us, outlined in full detail. And they overcame him, speaking of the devil and his bunch. How? Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. Number two, by the word of their testimony. And number three, by loving not their lives unto death. Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. Number two, by the word of their testimony. Number three, by loving not their lives unto death. This is how Satan's powers are overcome. Whenever you hear God's people talking about what the devil is doing, don't forget at, a, at an opportune time to inject into that person's thinking how they too can overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by loving not their lives unto death. Let's start with number one, by the blood of the Lamb. This is making reference to a working knowledge of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for the redemption of all mankind. We as believers have been redeemed and by the blood of Jesus we can overcome Satan's strategies, Satan's plans and purposes 
And no matter what He brings against us in this life, the power of the blood is all sufficient to putting Him where He belongs, and that is beneath our feet. It's more than just singing a song saying the blood has never lost its power. It is saying, I have a working knowledge of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I keep in the forefront of my mind that no matter what I'm experiencing in my life today, there is power, all sufficient power in the blood of Jesus to overcome the strategies of Satan. No matter how bleak it looks in our relationships, whether it be in marriage, in our children's lives, where we work, our social lives or whatever, there is power all-sufficient power in the blood of Jesus Christ to enable us to succeed and overcome. And I must make that a part of my faith life. I must dig into the Word of God. I must discover a working knowledge of the blood of Christ. And I must declare and decree in harmony with what the Word says, I overcome the devil by the blood of Jesus. That is a confession of faith, is it not? Based on the blood that was shed. Thank God the blood has been shed. Thank God there is power in that blood. All kinds of miracle-working power in the blood of Christ that equips us, that enables us to rise up and defeat our enemies in this life. And that we must believe from the heart and confess with the mouth, like Mark eleven twenty three 23 said, confess with the mouth, believe from the heart, and apply the blood to our lives. Secondly, he said, and the word of their testimony. Based on this working knowledge of the Word of God, I then boldly begin to say some things that will render Satan's powers ineffective. I place a bloodline around my life. I place a bloodline around my business. I place a bloodline around my family that Satan and his cohorts cannot and will not cross over. See, first you gain a working knowledge of the blood covenant in all that the blood provides. And then you boldly with your mouth. See, take your tongue and just begin to use it like they used the branch, the hyssop branch, and took the branch, dipped it in the blood, and began to apply it to their household. We don't do it like that. We do it like this. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. As far as I'm concerned, my business is off limits to you, Satan. My business is a prosperous business. I walk around this place and I boldly declare that there is a bloodline drawn that you cannot cross over, that you will not cross over. You will not have my business. You will not have my help. You will not have my family. You will not have whatever I possess that is mine. It belongs to me. And there is all sufficient power in that blood. And you will not cross over that bloodline. That's a bold confession of faith based on what? A working knowledge of the Word of God that reveals to us the blood covenant, the blood of Jesus that was shed for our redemption. So you make your confession of faith. You draw that bloodline between yourself and your enemy. And I'll tell you what, if you have a belief in it, a strong belief in it, I mean a heartfelt belief in it, you will render your enemy powerless and ineffective. He will not be able to destroy what belongs to you. And thirdly, and this is so important, so important, beloved, he goes on to say, they love not their lives unto death. What does that mean? That means they live the life of self-denial. They were not opening up a door, a breach in the bloodline, if you will. They were not opening up a door through which the enemy could enter. Through selfishness, through self-centeredness, wanting to live their lives in disobedience before God. No. They knew the need or the, the, the importance of living the kind of life that was one of obedience to God. They were selfless. They were not self-centered. They were more concerned about serving God than serving self. It was maintaining an attitude that says, no, 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 I'm not going to sin against my God. I am not going to use my tongue improperly because rather than setting up a bloodline, it will open up a doorway for satanic activity. 
I will not use my tongue to gossip. I'll not speak out against the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. I'll not do anything that would displease God in my life. I choose to live the kind of life that God wants me to live in humble submission to His will and purpose for my life. They love not their lives unto death. In other words, everything else, as far as they were concerned, they died unto. They died unto self. A life of self-denial. Not my will be done, but thine be done. And so, beloved, here we see a revelation of how we can overcome the enemy by making bold confession of the power of the blood. Establishing this bloodline so that the enemy cannot cross over. I want you to turn to another scripture, if you would, please. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 19, we are told that we've been redeemed not with corruptible things, such as with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Verse 19 says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. This is once again a revelation given to us of our redemption and how it was obtained. I must believe from my heart and confess with my mouth in order to apply this verse to my life. I must believe that my redemption and the price of my redemption was far more than precious gold or silver or stones like rubies, emeralds, diamonds. No. The price of my redemption involved the very lifeblood of the Savior. His life was poured out unto death so that I could be, everybody say with me, redeemed. See, it doesn't really matter what we think of ourselves. What matters is what God thinks of us. If you've got low self-esteem, if the devil is holding you in bondage because you think so lowly of yourself that you can't muster up enough faith to exercise that faith to overcome in this life, see, your thinking is wrong. You need to have a confession of faith based on this text that tells you, you are so valuable to God. You are so precious to God. Your life is so meaningful to God. You are of so much worth to God that He bought your redemption with the blood of His precious Son. And you can boldly say, Satan, I'm putting up a bloodline right now. It doesn't matter what I think about myself. It doesn't matter what my achievements are in this life or what my abilities are. What matters is the blood's been shed. I've been bought and paid for. I belong to God and He thinks I'm good. He redeemed me. And you start saying, thank God I shut the door to your activities and I'm putting up a bloodline. You want to come again and tell me that I'm nobody and I'm not worth anything and I'm no good? Go ahead, tell me all you want. I've got a verse, I've got a confession, I've got a testimony that will put you beneath my feet. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And what you see is the blood's cleansing. As a matter of fact, if you want to know what you see, take him for a stroll to Revelation chapter 1. If you would please. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Just say, let's just take a stroll right over here in Revelation and let me show you something. Glory to God. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. First of all, you start right there and say, Devil, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ is my faithful witness. He was the one who was the first begotten of the dead. He is the prince of the kings of the earth. He is the one that loved me and He is the one that washed me from my sins in His own blood. So what you are looking at is a blood-washed child of God, a redeemed individual 
And it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of me. What matters is God says I'm washed in His blood. And as a result of that cleansing, He made me a king and a priest unto God His Father. Read verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. You talk about a working knowledge of the blood of Christ. Thank God we've been dipped in the blood. We've been cleansed by the blood. We've been made pure by the blood. And thank God not only are we holy by the blood, but we are kings and priests before God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And where the word of a king is, there is power. So there's power, you see, in the blood. And as you confess that word of God based on the work of the blood, what happens to you? Your countenance changes. You have stopped the enemy cold. There's a bloodline drawn. You talk about running from you as in terror. He doesn't know which way to go. He's confused because usually when he told you that you were an unworthy thing, you know, you would just side with him and agree and say, yes, I know I haven't done what God wants me to do with my life. And, you know, my head is hung low. I'm down in the dumps and da, 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 you know, and all that. And you just let him browbeat you and browbeat you and browbeat you and browbeat you. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you leave this place tonight and he starts knocking on your door with guilt and condemnation and inferiority, you are going to open up that door and you're going to have a confession of faith based on the blood of Jesus and its work in your life. And he's going to run from you as in terror. See, rather than a pauper opening up that door, it's a king and a priest. Glory to God. Amen. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. You see, beloved, our confession of faith when we speak the Word of God must have a foundation. It's not something that we're aimlessly doing, just saying what we want to say when we want to say it. Our confessions are based on the Word of God And our confessions of faith are founded upon the blood that was shed for our redemption. And everything in this New Testament that reveals to us a right or a privilege that we have from God has been negotiated between God the Father and God the Son and it's sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. If God didn't want us to have it, He would have not allowed it in the covenant or the contract. These are the benefits of the covenant of the contract that we have with God, and if He didn't want us to have them, He would have not listed them here for us. Didn't the the writer of Psalms tell us in, in Psalm 103, forget not all His benefits? What is a benefit, a condition to a, a contract that we have? Right? A blessing, a benefit that we have. And thank God He has given or listed all these benefits, all these provisions, and He sealed it by the blood of His Son. And what that means is that since he sealed it by the blood, it's ours. Or he lies about it. And God's not a liar. And to let us know that he doesn't lie, he swore by an oath and he sealed it by the blood of his son. And so it belongs to us. In Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 13, who have delivered... Well, let's start with verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness, hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness or the remission of sins. Those verses, we have confessions of faith that are based on the working power of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, it's not enough just to sing songs about the blood. I believe in the wonderful, wonder-working power of the blood. But, beloved, to apply it to our lives is where it's at. Its application is what makes reality. It's not just singing about it or even talking about it. It's applying it. How? Believing in it from the heart and with our mouths applying it to the doorpost of our lives. That's what faith is all about. When he comes at you with guilt and condemnation, you can boldly say, no, no way, there's no condemnation unto me. I'm in Christ Jesus. I've been made a king and a priest. I'm not a worm in the dust. 
See, and that confession is based on the shed blood of Jesus that washed you from your sins. The enemy has no answer. He has no response. He has to flee from you. Run away as in terror. Here we find in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the remission of sins. Whatever that separated me from God before has been remitted, wiped out. It no longer exists. You realize that the worst thing you ever did in your life to offend God no longer exists. And when your enemy comes along to try to tell you of the past mistakes that you've made, maybe your faults or present to you anything that you did that might have been displeasing to God, do you realize there is all sufficient power in the blood of Christ to remit your sins once and for all so that God doesn't even know they exist? Oh, the accuser of the brethren, the one who likes to shoot off his mouth and spout off and spew out all of your faults, your failures, your shortcomings and all that. Let him talk all he wants. We'll just take him for a stroll to the book of Colossians and we'll show him our sins have been remitted. What about you? What about you? What about your future? Where's your eternity going to be? Thank God my sins have been provided for by the blood of the Lamb. I didn't try to exalt myself up above God like you did. I just went with the program. And the program says my sins are remitted. My sins are under the blood. I have redemption through His blood. What is redemption? Well, right here it says, because of redemption, I've been made a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. I've inherited glory. I've inherited the very nature of God. The life of God is in me. The love of God is in me. The joy of God is in me. The faith of God is in me. The power of God is in me. And that's a part of my inheritance, praise God. What else does it mean? It goes on to tell you. Having delivered you out of the complete dominion and control of darkness. It's like taking you from the state of Ohio, placing you in the state of Pennsylvania, and say the laws of Ohio no longer govern my life. Because now I'm governed by the laws of the state of Pennsylvania. Isn't that right? Listen carefully. Even with insurances. You notice sometimes if you have insurance policies and all that, one state does it different than the other state. And the application of it is different. So listen carefully. You were in the kingdom of darkness. You were a slave to Satan and his bunch. That by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, out from beneath the dominion of Satan. He no longer can hold anything over your life because you're not under his jurisdiction. You're over here in the kingdom of God. Jesus is your Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. So Satan can no longer dominate your life. And what you do is you begin to say, no, I once was in your kingdom, but you can't hold me in bondage. You can't exercise any kind of authority over me. You cannot make me do what I don't want to do. It's impossible because I'm in a brand new kingdom. I'm under the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ. And in that place, I reside. What a wonderful reality. So by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have redemption, which includes your translation. You've already been translated. You're not going to be translated. You have been translated. You may live on earth right now, but your true residency is in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. You're living on this earth. You're in the earth, but not of the earth. And Satan has no jurisdiction over you. And you know what you can say? Satan, by the blood of Jesus, you have no jurisdiction over my life. The bloodline has been drawn and I apply it to the doorpost of my life, the lives of my children, my household, my business. And you know what? Wherever I go and whatever I do, I want to remind you that the blood has set me apart from your kingdom and its influence. I like that, don't you? You see, the blood is a sign. 
The blood is a token. And when it's applied, what does it do? It speaks. And what does it say? Off limits. You cannot touch the households of the Israelites. Off limits. You have no rights. You have no privileges. They're not under your control. That means the plague, no power. Destruction, no power. Oh, you can destroy all those around, but not those that have the blood applied. Oh, I like that, don't you? The blood has been applied. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3 to another text. In this text, the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, we have a, a little bit more of a revelation about redemption by the blood and what it provides for us. In Galatians 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us. Remember, in whom we have redemption through his what? The blood of Christ provides redemption. Christ hath redeemed us from, from the curse of the law. So here the blood has redeemed us from, see we have a revelation of what the blood redeemed us from, from the curse of poverty, sickness, and death. We have been redeemed from the curse of poverty, sickness, and death by the blood. See, it's not just a statement that we make because we heard somebody else say it. No, we've done our research, we've done our study, and we have discovered that the blood provides redemption from the curse of poverty, sickness, and death. Therefore, poverty, I'm drawing a bloodline. I believe in my heart and say with my mouth and apply prosperity to the doorpost of my life. Or you can say it this way. I refuse to allow poverty to cross the threshold of the blood. The bloodline's been established. I'm in a brand new kingdom. And you have no right to dominate my life with poverty sickness, or spiritual death. The powers or the forces of spiritual death and darkness have no power over my life. And that's based on the blood. That's a confession based on the, the power and the working of the blood of Jesus Christ. So we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Listen. Christ being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of... So the blood provides redemption from, why? So that we can have the blessings of. We've been redeemed to the blessings of Abraham. To the blessings of Abraham. Can you see that by my confession of faith, I open up the door to the blessings of Abraham and my faith is based on what? The blood of Christ. See, I have a working knowledge of the blood that says I've been redeemed from the curse of poverty, sickness, and death, and I've been redeemed to the blessing, brought back to God so that I can actively enjoy what? The blessings of Abraham and all that God did to bless Abraham with. He blesses us with also. Thank God for the blessings of Abraham. Rest upon our household. And you can do a study and you'll just see just how much God blessed Abraham. And you know what? You can boldly say, I am blessed with faithful Abraham. But you can say it like this, by the blood of Jesus I've been blessed with faithful Abraham. But you don't look like it. You know what? It's so. And I'm going to continue saying it until it becomes a reality. You see where we have missed the mark, saints of God? Because it's not an instant reality, people have stopped confessing what the Word of God says about them. And that really shows a lack on our part. A lack of tenacity. A lack of diligence. We have got to continue looking at these things that are ours. And we have got to continue believing in them from the heart. And we must continue applying their truth to our lives basing it all on the blood that was shed. So that the blessings of Abraham would come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed to experience or to receive the promise, thirdly, of the Spirit through faith. You see what it says here? Verse 14, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You realize that the Spirit could not come until Jesus was crucified, died, rose from the dead, 
and applied his blood to the heavenly holy of holies and then the promise of the Spirit could come. Do you realize that we can say the influence in our lives is the Spirit of God because of the blood that was shed? See, beloved, sometimes people open up their lives more to the influence of the enemy than they do to the influence of the Spirit of God. We've got to start making our bold confession of faith based on the blood that was shed and start saying, I've been redeemed to experience and to receive the Spirit of the living God and His presence in my life. Do you know what it means to have the Spirit of God in manifestation in our lives? Wow. We're talking about the same Spirit of God that hovered over the face of the deep We're talking about the same Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit of God that fell on the day of Pentecost. The same Spirit of God that brought life in the Valley of Bones. The same Spirit of God is ours to enjoy based on the blood of our redemption that we shed. You see, beloved, Satan will attack us to try to prevent us from experiencing these realities in our lives. He'll bring all kinds of storms our way. He'll use every possible strategy that he has. And he'll try to prevent us from walking in the light of these truths. He doesn't want us to enjoy one aspect of our redemption or redemptive rights. He does not want us to enjoy health unless there's a struggle. He'll put up a fight to the end. He doesn't want us to experience this prosperity that God has for us. He doesn't want our families to be in harmony and in love. He doesn't want us to enjoy social lives that are in harmony with each other. He wants to bring destruction to every realm of life. He wants to touch us in any possible way. Why? To break us down physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, whatever. That's what He wants to do. But beloved, I want you to know something. He cannot do that. He doesn't have the authority any longer. We're not under His jurisdiction. He has no rights. We are not His property. And what God wants us to do is to start understanding the power of the blood and make our bold confession of faith daily and not give up. But through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Look at 1 John chapter 5 if you would please. 1 John chapter 5. We must believe in the power of the blood. We must apply it to our lives with our mouths by faith. I believe in the blood that was shed. I believe I've been redeemed. I believe I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, poverty, sickness, and death. I believe I've been redeemed to enjoy the blessings of Abraham, to receive the power of the Spirit. I believe that I'm in the family of God, a king and a priest by the blood of the Lamb. And I overcome by the word of my testimony. I add the word of my testimony and my witness to the blood that was shed for me. And I set up this bloodline in my life. And I surround my family members and my family unit. My automobile when I drive. Beloved, we must believe in the power of the blood. And we must apply it to our lives. In 1 John chapter 5. In verse 8 it says, And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. I want you to know that the blood is speaking. The blood is a witness. The blood is giving testimony on earth, in earth right now, that we have been ransomed, we've been bought and paid for, and we belong to God. I want you to know the Spirit agrees, the Word agrees, and the blood agrees, and the blood of Christ speaks better things than that of Abel. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24, it declares that. 
This blood yet speaketh. I want you to know that there is a voice in the earth behind the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood is yet speaking of our redemption. And God is looking to us to do what? To agree, to confess boldly, and to make our statement of faith, declaring, yes, I agree that the power of the blood is more powerful than the opposing forces arranged against me. He is waiting for us to stake our claim. Our confession has a foundation. It's based on the power of the blood. And by faith, I apply it to the doorposts of my life and yours. Philippians, our closing text, chapter 2. I want you to see something here. In the book of of Philippians chapter 2, in verse 9, in the previous verses we are told that Jesus Christ laid down His life. He set aside His mighty power and glory. He came to the earth as a man. He laid down His life to suffer the death of the cross so that you and I could receive redemption so that we could be freed from the powers of Satan and all the powers of darkness. Now, beloved, either he did successfully accomplish what he set out to do, or he did not. I ask you tonight, did he? That means he destroyed him that had power of of death, that is the devil, correct? That means he came to outdo, undo, and overdo the devil, did he? Did he bring him to naught? Is he declining to his end? Did he overcome him? Did he make an open show of him, triumphing over him in the cross and his shed blood? Did he do that? Absolutely. Now listen. He did that by the offering of his life once and for all for eternal redemption for all mankind. Wherefore, in verse 9, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here we have a revelation of something that God did for Jesus because He poured out His life's blood. Because of that act of sacrifice, because He humbled Himself to do what He did to redeem mankind, God raised him from dead, the dead by His Spirit, exalted him, and gave him a name that is above every name. I want you to see something here. All the power of the blood, all the glories of our redemption provided for by the blood are all wrapped up in the majestic name of Jesus. Sometimes people use that name without realizing that it's founded upon the blood that was shed. Listen carefully. You do not separate the power of the name from the power of the blood. Now, I want to show you how to use the power of the blood through the name of Jesus. See, God exalted him and gave him this name above every name. And Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, In my name you will cast out devils. You see, when I say, devil, get behind me, when I say, devil, I take authority over you, I know that that name is unleashing the full power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed. Are you listening? Jesus didn't say, well, go say, in my blood, I cast you out. He didn't say that. He said, in my name. I don't know about you, but I believe in just doing it the way God said to do it. Listen carefully. Is there a devil trying to interfere with you you can say i set up a bloodline around me devil and in jesus name i cast you out and you know when you use that name you are unleashing the full power of the blood of jesus christ that was shed for your redemption all the glories and all the power of that blood and all that it provides is unleashed heaven gave jesus a name above every name so that in all three worlds the mention of that name brings everyone 
to their knees. Can you see that? See, these things work hand in hand. When I have that working knowledge of the power of the blood, I then make my confession of faith and then I unleash all those powers through the use of His name. Yes, I can say I set up a bloodline around my household. I place a bloodline between me and the enemy. And Satan, you cannot cross over. And if you try, I declare in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And the powers of the blood are unleashed. The miracle power. Heaven stands behind the power that is unleashed in the name of Jesus by the blood that was shed for our redemption. Now, there's a whole lot more to say, but I'm, I'm just going to stop right here by saying this. You and I have a new and living way to enter in to the holiest presence of the living God. And do you know what that way is? By the blood. By the blood. You know what that means? Are you ready for this? You can just begin your journey into this holiest presence of God. You can have devils and demons and imps and powers and principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this world surrounding you in every possible imaginable way. But you know what? They can't get you off course. You know why? Because you're approaching His presence by the blood of Jesus. There's a new and living way. They can't keep you out. Try as they may, they can't keep you out. They can't. And you can boldly say that. You can't hinder my progress. I'm going to see the Father by the blood and in Jesus' name. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.